Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Special edition. Fancy, right? <laughs> Super fancy. Super fancy. That's called Foley work. This is a special edition of the PO Podcast. I am Joe. I am Angela. Angela, not Adam. We have a special guest here this week. For the first time, uh, someone's filling in for Adam's shoes because we wanted to get a serious Harry Potter fan to talk about some Harry Potterish stuff. Absolutely. As I'm our one super listener excited. has heard last week, uh, <laughs> this is going to be about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. So, Turns out it's in a big case. It's in a well, it's a small case. <laughs> oh, a small case. Very, then. very TARDIS-like in that it's bigger on the inside. Um, it's completely in the realm of Harry Potter. It has a um, undetectable expansion charm. It's pretty awesome. Oh, is that what it is? Did they it mention is. that in the movie? I'm sorry. Did they mention that in the movie? They did not, but as a, as you mentioned, a huge <laughs> Harry Potter fan, right? They use the undetectable detection or expansion charm for the Ford Anglia to seat more people and have a bigger trunk, and on Hermione's handbag in the right. in the last book, Deathly Hallows, they carry around everything in that little teeny oh, tiny yeah. handbag. She's got a tent. I think she had Ron a in there for a while. A library full of books. Yeah. What? <laughs> Sorry, it was just a movie about walking. You know, you had to find some funniness somewhere. Yeah. So, um, we're going to forego our usual talking about other things. We're just going to get right into Fantastic Beasts. And the thing that, when I started watching the movie, I was super excited to see it. I am a huge fan of the movies. Now, Angela is a huge fan of the books. So, I didn't I know, I didn't know and... how this was going to play out. Well, I actually have not read Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Well, it's not so about this. I, the the book. You mean is it? See, I don't even know. Is it a story or is it just the the supposed textbook? It is the supposed textbook by Newt Scamander, and okay. uh, the one she wrote has like, I think Harry's or Ron's or all three of their writing all through it. So, like whatever notes they took. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's um, it is not this story. This is a completely original work, kind of like uh, Cursed Child. Okay, and it's going to so, be five movies. Oh, I really? Think. Yeah, there's five of them. I I would like to see where this goes. I'm I'm excited about that. Me too. And there's at the very end, I'll discuss with you my reason why this this is a huge huge departure from everything that we know as far as like the Harry Potter films go. Um, mm-hmm. which, like I said, I'm a huge, huge fan of. Right. And and I was I was also a huge fan of the Harry Potter movies before I read the book. <laughs> I didn't read I didn't start reading the Harry Potter books until just before Deathly Hallows Part Two came out, Got which was probably the worst thing I've ever done in my life because it completely ruined the movies. You and I have agreed to disagree that yeah, she can't she can't separate the, the books from the movies like a normal person. I, I can I can agree with you that they're well-made movies that they tell most of the story in a compelling way. All the but relevant not, story. But it's not the it's not the Harry Potter I wanted to see and you know I accept that that's <laughs> not necessarily a legitimate reason to not like the movies but I'm okay with that. Well, then I can the, live with that. This movie won't ca- cause you too many hard feelings because there's nothing except for uh, some randomly mentioned things, right, that right. are that are uh, inserted in here. Like, I believe that they've mentioned in the books, uh, what's the main bad guy's name, Garrett? Gellert Grindelwald. Gellert Grindelwald. He's, he is mentioned, right? He's like some famous guy Absol- that dueled with Dumbledore. Absolutely. He is the number one uh, most powerful evil dark wizard, wizard 
until Voldemort came. So he was before um, he was before Voldemort and he one of the things that Dumbledore is actually most famous for is the duel with Gellert Grindelwald in which Dumbledore ended up winning and winning the Elder Wand from him. Oh, so he had the Elder Wand. He had the Elder Wand. He was stole he obsessed it with the from... Deathly Hollows then? Okay, yes. He and Dumbledore. <laughs> this is when why they you're were here. teenagers. <laughs> when they were teenagers, they got together for a summer, and they were actually planning to style, take because over. You know Dumbledore is gay. Yeah, they were they were good friends. Summer loving Dumbledore's butt. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> um, well, and as uh, you could very much argue based on the actions of old Gellert that he's Gellert. gay too. So Geller. Geller. He seems very uh, you know, not that there's anything yeah, wrong with him being gay, but that would I'm I'm pretty sure they were romantically yeah, they entangled. Were, they were romantically involved, yes. Okay, cool. It it pained Dumbledore very much to have to defeat him. I had to beat up my boyfriend this summer. Basically. Like they were planning to take over the to break the international statute of secrecy and overpower the muggles and Dumbledore 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 and Grindelwald when they were 17 wow planned what stopped them to subverse the muggles and and rule in their rightful place hmm well what stopped Dumbledore um, from going dark side well Dumbledore had a sister mm-hmm. um her name was Ariana, and she she was, you know, when she was like four or five, she was out in the backyard playing, and, you know, she, wizards that young can't really control their magic. It just kind of happens yeah. around them. As evidenced by Snape and Lily Potter's scene. Right. So some muggle children saw her through the hedge and then came and you know first they were interested and then they got scared and they were they started like they started beating her up basically awesome. and she was you know she got really scared and then she she tried to this is actually really interesting because I there actually was no word for this until I saw Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. She became the oh. word is escaping me. An ocularis. An ocularis. Or I thought it was an ocularis or oculus. I, oculus. I can't remember. I don't remember. It's probably oculus. If Eddie Redmayne said it, uh, it's in, unintelligible. So, Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, she became one of those, and she ended up um, yeah. exploding. Ocularis? Which one is it? Did and it know? happened while... It happened while, while Grindelwald... And Albus's brother Aberforth were dueling. It's it's this whole thing that it's it's crazy. <laughs> so Albus, you know, he had already lost his mother. Um, Ariana had actually killed her in one of her rages. Gotcha. And uh, and that is the deal with these Oculuses. Oculus. I still can't find what it's actually supposed to be. Um, um, uh, that, ocu- that fits. It's, it says Ocularis or Oculus. Awesome. <laughs> Ocularis. We'll just call I'm it Ocularis. Go with Ocularis. So Ocularis, so, uh, that fits in with the so mythology that they've represented in this movie that it happens to only young children. Because usually their flames burn out and they're dead. Exactly. She was only like eight when it happened, so it totally fit in, you know, that most kids don't live past the age of 10 because they just can't, you know, they're they're trying to to make their magic go away, but it can't. It's part of who they are. It's part of what, you know, makes their heart beat. Right. They have to they have to be able to harness it and they have to be able to express and, it. I mean, it's just like Elsa and Frozen. Right. You know, that, once when, she uh... got okay you know once she was stopped trying to suppress it then she could control it and everybody's happy yeah you just gotta let it go right just gotta (laughs) let it go (laughs) and it's it is the suppression inner suppression of these magical powers that causes the oculus ocularis to like happen right 
Yes. And when they, you know, they can only keep it under control for so long and they just, they just explode, you know, they, they, and sometimes it's just like a mini explosion and sets, sets forth the, forth this, this shapeless power that wreaks havoc. And then, you know, (laughs) if it's not that bad, then they survive it. And, you know, it can happen over and over and over again until finally it just consumes them. So how did was, the uh, Dumbledore sister lead to Dumbledore wanting to destroy all muggles or sub, um, well, subject them happened, to his will? What had happened was when his dad, Percival, um, when he realized what the muggles had done to Ariana, he he got revenge on the muggles. Gotcha. So he was, he was convicted of muggle torture. Percival? And went... And he, yes, Percival, and he spent the rest of his life in prison in Azkaban. Mm. And so, this is this is all the stuff that's alluded to by Dumbledore's brother. And... No, this is actually um, in the last chapter of of Deathly Hollows before the epilogue. They uh, Harry goes, you know, Harry goes to the train station and talks to Dumbledore, and he oh. gets the story firsthand from Dumbledore. In the movies, I'm talking about though. We oh, kind, we kind of get a section of the story of his sister from the brother, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. In Hogsmeade or wherever that was. Yeah, that that happens in the book as well. Okay. You get you get Aberforth for fourth's version of what happened and then later you get why he doesn't like El- his brother. Right. Gotcha. How Albus actually felt about the whole thing. Gotcha. You know. All right. A little backstory that I had nothing or I did not know about <laughs> at all. So so uh, yeah, Gellert Grindel- Grindelwald is the he's he's the worst of the worst. After after the thing with Ariana happened, he fled the village, and Albus never saw him again until their famous until they met for their famous duel. Who was the more powerful wizard, Voldemort or uh, Colin Farrell? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I got to give it to Rafe Beans. Okay. For sure, but well, there's there's um, a, I think the first on, problem I have I think with this movie the too. Characters, the characters on par were they were similar in power. Well, I think Voldemort was probably more evil. He didn't want to rule the humans; he wanted to murder them all. Right. So he, you know, he hated his Muggle father so much that he just wanted to destroy all Muggles. He was Hitler. There you go. Voldemort was Hitler. <laughs> Muggles were the Jews. That's, I mean. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the magical Third Reich. So the, <laughs> the instant this movie begins, we basically know, they're not trying to bury it at all, that Colin Farrell is the, actually Gellert Grindelwald. See, I actually did not pick up on him being Gellert Grindelwald. I, same haircut. I, I didn't even... I didn't even put the two and two together. And he's immediately doing creepy evil things. It wasn't until he transformed that I was like, oh my gosh, it's Gellert Grindelwald. The Deathly Hallows necklace giving it to Ezra Miller, none of that. I don't remember Deathly Hallows. I only saw it once a hundred years ago. No, no, the necklace he gave (laughs) in the movie where Colin Farrell gives the boy, that's Ezra Miller. Yeah. I forget his his name in the movie. It's chastity or some stupid um credence name. credence he gives credence that always the made me, it kept making me think of credence clear water revival <laughs> <laughs> well i see a bad moon rising with this kid right he yeah he gives him a deathly hollows necklace and he start oh, he tries to manipulate him into doing these things because he thinks that uh he said he saw in a vision that he would be standing next to the most powerful oculus right ocularis that he's ever seen but it's really him Spoiler right. alert! Spoiler um, alert! None I of that surprised knew that. me. I knew that from the very beginning. Okay. First time I saw him, I'm like, oh. I'm like, whatever. I I didn't know what the plot was going to be yet. You know, I obviously I didn't know it was going to be an Ocularis, but I was like, whatever is going to happen, it's going to happen to this kid. Yeah. He's and when that evil. senator walked up and called him a freak, I'm like, oh no. Yep. That was a bad move, dude. Yeah, and then he was the subject of his rage later. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Let's talk about the movie now. Uh, 
The okay. feeling I get right, right off the bat from watching this movie is that this definitely isn't Harry Potter. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because now we're talking about America, right? That's going right. to have a different feel. But the problem I, I had mean, with it... I mean, visually and conceptually, it was very much Harry Potter. I, immediately similar. with that music and just the look of it, it screamed David Yates. It screamed Harry Potter. And I, I, I was in it. I was... The problem I had, though is that Harry Potter did a marvelous job with practical effects and being in a room that was actually there and having actual, um, you know, actual things on set that the kids would touch and that was actually real. And because they probably didn't want to have that a giant budget for basically a movie where you could say, oh, for sure this is going to make a ton of money, but you're not sure. And... Uh, the way Warner Brothers has been making movies lately, I wouldn't have put all my eggs in this basket either. So a lot of it was digital effects. And, and you know, I, I knew you were going to bring this up because I know you're <laughs> very much, um, you're very much of the opinion that, you know, things need to be real. And I'm, I'm completely on board with you on that for the most part. But this movie, I know it was all digital effects, but they were good digital effects. They were okay. They really were. They were good. You I, you know, you can't trick the human eye that much. And it, to me, it ended up looking I, like Sky Captain in the world of Harry Potter. You could tell I, the film, like even like the filter they ran the entire film through that dull, that dulling that they did to it, that dull gray film. You know, it mm. just it was it exploded in my face like oh, digital effects. You See, know? I disagree. I, I I completely feel like. For digital effects, they did a really good job of of bringing me into the world. You know, I I didn't feel like I was I was watching a computer generation. I I felt like I was wa- I was walking the streets of New York. You know, it just it. Well, some of the stuff was practical, I'm sure, but uh, you know, I the creatures my, my were wonderful. Aside, the creatures I, are like the problem, especially when they're holding them, like spring for I like mean, a rubber snake, dude. <laughs> like it doesn't even have to be the one that they're holding like make that completely green but you can tell that they were holding nothing you know what i'm saying i mean i'll give you that <laughs> I... put put something in but... their hands you know there's there's a good way and a bad way i think to do digital effects and like if you look at rocket raccoon in guardians of the galaxy the reason why he works so well is because Sean Gunn was in a green suit walking around, you know, crouching the entire time they made that movie. Right. And they were looking at something and they were actually touching something and something was actually there. So there was, you know, just because they digitally edited what was there doesn't make it like a fallacy. Like when Dan Fogler's putting the little snake back into the uh, basket, it, he was holding nothing. And it was... You just you can't trick the human mind that much. See, I, I <laughs> maybe I just don't look for that kind of stuff. But I well, didn't, if it if it, it got you it off the bat, you, you'll forgive a lot of it. I mean, it just didn't distract me enough that I that I that my mind pointed it out. You know, to you know, I was just like, eh. <laughs> it didn't like, pull me out of the story. It didn't, you know. The very first scene with Gellet is that his name? Gellert. Gellert. Gellert Grindelwald. I see I didn't write his name down. I just wrote down Colin Farrell. Gellert <laughs> Grindelwald, where it shows him and he and it's like basically setting up the pre story with the newspaper clippings and stuff about he's the worst wizard ever. That mm-hmm. felt very Harry Potter, but that was supposed to be yeah. a digital effect and that worked. But as soon as it came to like the city, I was like, Well, this is just a little too washed out. If they had more rich colors, um, I would have been happier. I guess. I mean, yeah, but in the, uh, in the 1920s, New York was kind of. And I know that's, that's the visage that they were going for. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. No, I haven't. It was very much based on, um, like old animation. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sky Captain World Tomorrow was very famously the first movie done where I think every single thing in the movie was digital. The guns they were holding, the clothes they were wearing, everything. It was uh, oh. just the people were real, and you can tell it's not very good looking. But it was a uh, an effort 
to try to push those digital effects to the next level. I think the one that came after that that tried to push those boundaries that far was Avatar. Mm-hmm. And if you look at Avatar now, you can tell it just doesn't work. I mean, I haven't watched it since the first time I watched it because I don't want it to be ruined. Because the first time I watched it, I was blown away. And I know that if I watched it now, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be that good. Right. I'm sure. But, you know, at the time, it was new technology, and it was something we had never seen before. But it had that had that same filter that the films ran through, and there's some, you know, that reminds me of, like, the old Superman cartoons from, like, uh, I don't know when that been, the 40s and the 50s. Yeah. It just had that, it was sending you to a place in time. And the movie was trying to do that, but I don't know if I just didn't buy into it right away. Maybe I have to see it again to get a better judgment about it, but that's just kind of what it reminded me of. But after we get introduced into this world, we get introduced to Eddie Redmayne, who is, I think, completely miscast. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not quite sure what they were going for with Newt Scamander. So, I mean, if autistic? they were going for awkward... I think they're going for, like, um, autistic. Right? Like, if they were... I think if they were going for that, they kind of nailed it. Right. And it's, see, the reason why I think that it's okay at all is because of Dan Fogler. Oh my gosh. I loved him in this movie. He, he just has such a, a way of expressing, you know, things with just his face. He's funny. He is. Here's the reason why. I think that he's the saving grace of this movie. And I don't think, I don't know if this is intentional. I have not read anything about this. I don't know if this is just my view of it, but this movie is not about Newt Scamander. This movie is about, uh, what's his name? Jacob Kowalski. Absolutely. So you, it's you his enter, story. Right. You enter Fogler in because that's what movies do, right? You need a character in the movie where the viewers can see through his eyes so that you can see that, oh, this is this new world and he doesn't understand anything. We don't understand anything. And right. he ends up being the star of the movie. He really does. Newt Scamander is a supporting His character. sidekick. Right. Right. Which is and very, he very weird. to have all these creatures. We've never had a muggle or a nomad. Freaking Americans ruin everything, don't they? Right? <laughs> I hate Nomad sounds hated gross. That. I'm like, nomad. Doesn't nomad <laughs> sound like gross? <laughs> yes, it sounds like you've co- something you've contracted from a Brazilian hooker. Yeah, I got I got no madge, man. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. It took me three months to clear up my last no madge. <laughs> Ointments and penicillins and ugh. Yeah, doesn't sound good. Muggle is so no. wistful, you know. It's it got is. there's whimsy to it, and of course, Americans just like so. Ugh, no madge. L O L. Idiots. So yeah, oh, those stupid Americans. Uh, we've never had a Potter anything come from the focus of uh, a Muggle, someone who is non-magic. I mean, I would actually, I would actually disagree with that statement. I mean, when we entered the world of Harry Potter, it was definitely from a Muggle perspective. I mean, well, the very first, the very but first, from the you entered the world through a character who needed to find the world. With you, which was Harry Potter, but he was a magician, or he well, was a wizard. Yes, but in the very first chapter of the very first book, it starts out surrounding Vernon Dursley and his life and his day and his That's viewpoint true. of the world, and then we meet Harry. But we're talking about the movies now. Ah, uh, I can't talk about the movies. The, and. <laughs> That's From not what my I Harry believe, Potter. the book starts off the same way the movie does. Doesn't it start off with them dropping Harry off? No, it starts off with Vernon Dursley going Oh, that's right, because it talks day. about him having a fat neck and how his wife's got a giant neck because she cranes over the fences and stuff. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, she's got a horsey face. <sighs> that she does. So, and, and Dudley was blonde. <laughs> and still an a-hole. Yep. <laughs> So we got this movie, um, and we're basically following our first real muggle hero. And this plot in this movie is kind of meandering. Um, it's, I guess it's supposed to keep you guessing. 
But from to me, like I saw Ezra Miller and I saw Colin Farrell, I'm like, well, those are the bad guys. They've got something going on. Um, right. And even despite Eddie Redmayne, kind of, it's either he's being miscast or he's performing something weird. And the problem is, you can't. It's definitely tell what he's weird. Saying. Like, enunciate, dude. Right. He mumbles the entire time, which is a problem. Um, I mean, that's I, I. I suppose that's supposed to be, you know, a character thing. You know, guess, that's just the way he talks. But they should have put subtitles up. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. Ugh. Um, put sub. They put subtitles up for Andre the Giant. <laughs> yeah. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did need subtitles to to know that he said I don't even exercise. <laughs> I don't even exercise. Right? I'm like I have no idea what he's saying. It wasn't until I got the DVD. <laughs> Put subtitles up. Oh, that's horrible. Uh so yeah, we get a glimpse into his suitcase too, which is pretty cool. Oh my goodness, that suitcase is amazing. As we know, it has some sort of expansion charm on it. and An undetectable expansion charm. There we go. And it's huge on the inside. It's like uh, Scooby-Doo's doghouse in a pup named Scooby-Doo. Right. <laughs> I mean, times ten. It, it's an entire zoo-topia. <laughs> and he's even got himself down there an ocularis which we don't know what it is yet. We just know that it's an evil-looking ball of swirling dark magic, and you're like, well, that can't be good. Dan Foldware, don't touch that. But Dan Foldware wants right? to touch it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it must have, like, hypnotized him almost, right? Like, it must have... Just the the power of the of the magic was drawing him in. Right. And I thought, just for a moment, that since he's the main character of this movie, that he was going to touch it and become magic somehow. That would have been amazing. Not knowing that this evil thing would have ended up killing him. Right, that would have but been a bummer. I, it would make sense <laughs> to somehow make him magic. But then again, right. it doesn't make sense at the same time. Um, because I, then, oh, man, if he I was magic, him, there'd be no need for Newt. I wanted him and what's-her-face, Queenie, or whatever Queenie, they yeah. kept calling her. I want her. I wanted them to end up together so badly. Well, they kind of do. They do. You're right, but you want to know why? Not at first, because she remembers him. No. No. What's the most powerful magic in the Harry Potter world? Oh, love. Of love. Course. So he can overcome some stupid um, men in black, <laughs> whatever that thing was. <laughs> Obliviate. 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 They obliviate everybody. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. What's the stu what's that, stupid thing uh, in Men in Black called? Where they flash them and they lose their memory. Oh, uh, the uh, it's a deluminator. No. Nope. That's that's <laughs> Dumbledore's put outer thing. Yeah. It is. Oh man. Forget a kiss machine. Right. <laughs> Forget a kiss. <laughs> I haven't listened to that podcast in a long time. <laughs> it's a neuralizer. Neuralizer. So basically, the magic world uses a giant magic neuralizer to uh, make people forget, which we've seen Obliviate before because Hermione does it to her parents in uh, Deathly Hollows, or the one before yep. that. It's also the uh, it's also the charm that Gilderoy Lockhart oh, yeah. was trying to use on Ron when his when Ron's wand backfired. Yeah, Gilderoy Lockhart used it on everybody so that he could become famous. Yeah, he'd steal people's stories and. Good old All Kenneth in his own. Jerk. So He's jealous of a twelve-year-old's fame. <laughs> the plot does meander around quite a bit. We get Eddie Redmayne and Dan Fuller going around and uh, gathering up all the beasts that have been lost, and they find them all. And it's all good fun. It's all that very much is, I think, very uh, the Wizarding World type of stuff, and it all works out pretty well. And then mm -hmm. we get. The subplot in this movie is Colin Farrell trying to release an Oculus, Ocularis, so that he can convince the, gosh, what is some stupid pile of letters, the United States Magic Council to uh, yeah. to reveal themselves and basically do what him and Dumbledore were trying to do, break the silence pact or whatever. The International Statute of Secrecy. Yeah, they're trying to do that. Because if the Ocularis gets released... There's really the cat's out of the bag. 
Right. There's no way of hiding anymore. And, and it'll end in, and he's, he's sure that it'll end in a war that the muggles will persecute the wizards. So the wizards will have no choice but to fight back and in doing so take their rightful place as the ruling class. Right. Cause it would not be a fair fight. No, not even close. You could I cast mean, some stupid JK Rowling spell to make the tanks all rubber. Right. And then, <laughs> you know, I mean, you wouldn't even need to do that. Petrificus totalis on the whole freaking battlefield <laughs> and, and they're stiff as a board. Just like what happened to the uh, bank manager or whatever. Right. <laughs> he said Just have a whole battlefield there. of that. Go, all right, now I'll let you out. They need a lot of that root to get them out of there. Right. What's that root where the thing screams? Oh, the uh, mandrake. Mandrake root, that's right. Um. So the the, the plot moves around. Uh, obviously, they're picking up the animals. The subplot of... Uh, Colin Farrell working his devious plan. Um, the the magic, not the Ministry of Magic, because of course it's not the United States. It's like U.S. whatever, Magic Council. Yeah. They're unaware of what's going on. Eddie Redmayne is actually uh, Newt's commander. He's the one who lets it slip that there must be an Ocularis around. And they're like, there's no such thing in, in America. We don't have those here. But right, obviously and he's like, wrong. Uh, yeah, you do, because... Though that's what they look like. That's what happened. Yeah. And we've got some obvious references to America's persecution of witches um, with this religious-type cult-type thing that um, Ezra Miller is a part of. His mother. His mother's beating him and trying to beat the magicness out of him, and that's what's causing the ocularis to form in him. And when it gets released, I don't think Colin Farrell's exactly expecting it to happen. I don't. I don't think he was expecting it to be. I mean, yeah. I. <clears throat> well, he, I think he, he was for just sure wasn't expecting it to be him. How powerful it was! Right, it got so powerful because he kept it inside so long. Right. Which and is it, no, actually, he was able to keep it inside so long because right. he was so powerful. That's that's probably correct. Yeah. And that's just. I mean, I mean, we're talking power that Gellert Grindelwald, one of you know, second only to Elvis Dumbledore is in awe of. Oh, yeah. It would have been a powerful know, the, enough to squash probably anybody, right? Absolutely. He and might have been the most a powerful lot. wizard in the world. <laughs> they uh, He destroys, uh, you know, pretty much a few downtown blocks in New York City. The whole top of a building. Right. You know, uh, the, the Ocularis goes nuts. I'm not going to spoil anything here by saying the good guys win. But But the good uh, guys win. It's not um, Gellert Grindelwald, who I forget forget who Colin Farrell's name is in the movie, who he's pretending to be. Reeves? Greaves. Greaves. Oh, of course. Makes sense. He, uh, he's masked himself somehow. It's a, uh... It's not polyjuice potion like we've seen. No, it's, it's something it's different. It's just your standard, uh, like a vanity spell. Okay, so they take his mask off, and he is uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah, I loved that. I was excited that it ended up being Johnny Depp. I gotta tell you, it man, if felt, I was a wizard and I had to pick so one right. of them, I would have picked Colin Farrell too. Yeah. <laughs> if I wanted to look like one of them. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I, I just thought that was perfect, and I really hope he has a bigger role in the future films well, because that will be amazing. We will, as it's been teased out, there will be the duel between Dumbledore awesome. and Grindelwald. That is fantastic. I cannot wait to see the duel, the famous duel. Yeah. And Michael Gambon, who played Dumbledore in the final six movies, mm-hmm. wants to come back as the dad, Dumbledore's dad. Percival? Yes. That's one of Elvis's middle names. Elvis so, Percival yeah. Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. <laughs> Brian. Yeah. That's hilarious. So silly. Oh, yeah. So he, he wants to come back and do that. Who they're going to cast as younger Dumbledore? Who knows? Um, this is only it 70 be, years in the past, if, right? Um, this is in the 20s? How many? This was in the 20s, so that would have put it like harry potter takes place in 1995 or 96 so 
Um, no, Harry. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. Harry was born in 1980. So, so the first 12, movie would have started in 91. 90, 91, 92, somewhere around there? Well, yeah, the, okay. fir- the first one. Well, he was 11. It was it was the September. He's, right, right, right. He right, started right. Hogwarts the September after he turned 11 in July. So it would be 91. See, she knows a little too much. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. So it's 70 years in the, the past. The duel happened in 1929. So what... How old is Dumbledore then? Because if he's old as, if he's old as frickin' tried, dirt, wouldn't he still be old as dirt in the 20s? I have scoured everything, and I cannot put a definitive age on Dumbledore, but I believe it has to be somewhere in the realm of 90 to 100. Somewhere yes. in there. Well, in the um, 20s, he he's not, already a professor. Well, he wasn't. he was not old as dirt when he first met Tom Riddle, when Tom Riddle was 11, because he had auburn hair. I, I, I'd put him okay. in his 40s when he met Tom Riddle. So Chamber of Secrets took place in 1992, 50 years before 1992 would have been, been 1942. Okay. So you think he would have been middle-aged then? Yes. Which puts so then in, in 1926, in he would have been in his 20s. 20s or 30s so old enough to be a yeah. professor also from the time so when Grindelwald and Dumbledore were buddy buddy they were 17 mm-hmm. after that it was only five years after that that the duel happened so they were 17 in 1922 then or 1924 yes, yes. so if this movie takes place in the 20s this movie takes place in 1926. So Grindelwald's 19. Like 19 years old? That doesn't make sense. Supposed to be. Hmm. Well, your timeline does not add up. You'll have to go research this again. I guess so. <laughs> 17 years old? He looks pretty old to me. I mean, I know. He looks like an old man. But maybe, I, I mean, I could Well, plus the papers at the beginning were like, Gellert Grindelwald is evil, and that was 1915. It was 1915? Yep, the the first newspaper mm-hmm. that popped up, I paused it and looked at it. Oh, okay. So he was already an evil wizard by then. Maybe the duel doesn't happen in, in the timeline you think it does, or they mentioned. I mean, yeah, maybe, I mean, it's possible that I, I remember, <laughs> so, I remember somebody saying um, that Dumbledore waited five years to confront him. Okay. Yeah. But well, we will was, see. But he was active in Bulgaria before he was active in London or in England. Okay. So it's possible that he was he was active in Bulgaria for a long time and then maybe he went to America for a while. Got ya. And then he got went to England. So maybe. And but and Dumbledore waited five years from the time he got to England. I don't know. I have I have no I knowledge know. of it. You're gonna have to. Uh... I'm gonna have to research that some yeah. more. So the the movie wraps up. Um, yeah, <laughs> the magical <laughs> council takes Gellert Depp into custody. Eddie Redmayne gets on his train and goes back to England. Uh, even though there's some sort of romantic tension between him and the main girl, but she doesn't realize he's autistic and probably doesn't really care <laughs> right he's like i like these beasts yeah um and we kind of feel sad for old jacob kowalski because he gets obliviated by the giant neuralizer uh griffin that that, that was a griffin some sort of griffin type creature right giant eagle type of i have no idea that was like when you first saw him um maddie was talking to me so i didn't uh, it's not a hippogriff or anything we've seen. It, it's, no. it's straight up like it's like a giant eagle, and he's taking it to Arizona. <laughs> right. I was gonna I was gonna look up what kind of eagle you know what kind of mythical eagle lives in Arizona. Well, you can read the the book and find out. But it it <laughs> goes up into the clouds and creates a rain, which causes everyone to lose their memory. Well, he's he's also got the uh, that cre- that other creatures venom. 
if from earlier in the film when he's first showing Jacob his case, mm-hmm. he was milking some sort of creature, and he's like, "This creature venom. If you, I believe it can have memory powers if diluted properly." Oh yeah, that's right. He says it's incredibly poisonous, but it's not something he's tried. I'm right. just gonna go ahead and say it's the magical eagle bird that does the trick <laughs> because that's just well, it beans. creates the rain. That allowed it to have, you know, be diluted enough for it to be harmless. Mm-hmm. Well, we get to the ending, ending part. Poor old Jacob Kowalski. Um, he gets a bunch of those eggshells from those snakes that weren't actually in the movie. They were just digital representation. And the, <laughs> the eggshells are made of silver. And uh, Eddie Redmayne leaves them for him. He tries to pick up the suitcase and it's too heavy. It's pretty funny. And he starts his yeah. bakery that he always wanted to start. And instead of making, like, normal breads and stuff, he makes pastries shaped like all the animals that he helped Eddie Redmayne go get. So mm-hmm. there's it's obviously in his subconscious because, as we know, love is the most powerful magic in the Harry Potter world. And I think he really loved his time being in that world. So that makes sense. It all tracks in the wizarding world, right? Right. And I think it all comes back to him every single second of it as soon as Queenie walks in. And you can see it on his face. And this is why you hire Dan Fogler. He doesn't say anything. He barely moves. He he smiles. That's right. it. And you know the game is on. I mean, I absolutely loved how during that entire scene where he first meets her, I mean, the entire apartment is, you know, they're, they're witches. So, right. of course, everything is moving on their own. They're, you know, it would be an astounding world, you know, situation for a muggle to be in and yet he can't take his eyes off of her oh yeah she can't take her he eyes is off so of enamored with her that he doesn't even notice that he's in this completely ridiculous environment oh yeah and he you could and he and like you said he doesn't even say anything it's just you just know he just he, he the, the crooks of his mouth just move up and he smiles and you're like oh man love wins again for harry potter right it's great the, the ending Love of this movie, I think, thing. is my favorite part of it. You know, When she walks into the bakery. Right, and you see him smile and it fades to black. To me, not only does that tell you that, okay, he's going to be in the sequel, which is good news, because another right. full movie of Eddie Redmayne might be tough to stomach. Um, you know that there's more to this guy than just normal muggle stuff. Right. You know that you can, I guess, like I did, you can just guess that love is what overpowers the magic of the bird right and that it solidifies to me that he is absolutely the main character of this movie p.s it's a thunderbird a thunderbird of course it is Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) capable of creating storms and can easily sense danger it also carts brad pitt around in the oceans movies but that's not (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm I'm super happy that we're obviously going to get more dan fogler and uh I hope that they put a little bit more money in the budget of the next movie because it's worth it. I mean, I'm sure internet nerds all over the place are saying the exact same things that you are about the <laughs> visuals and and the budget and the concept. So, you know, maybe they'll take that into account. Yeah. You know, Warner Brothers has does have a bad habit of doing this. I mean, look at what The Hobbit did. I know. The Hobbit is just god-awful while Lord of the Rings it's... remains fantastic. I like the song in the habit. <laughs> any sort of a, any sort of redeeming presence, I guess. Ugh. Mm. Not even Martin Freeman could save those movies. I like Martin Freeman though. I, I just watched something with him in it. I can't remember. Oh, Love yeah. Actually. Duh. There you go. He's great in that movie. I didn't even realize. I mean, until I saw the Hobbit, I didn't. You know, Martin Freeman wasn't on my radar, so I didn't. I didn't even realize that's who he was you know the first decade that i watched this movie over and over and over again oh yeah that but since the habit i watched it he is rick grimes is in it in that movie who rick grimes rick grimes who is that the guy from the walking dead andrew lincoln i don't watch the walking dead oh well he's in there he's the guy with the postcards with Kara knightley oh yeah anyways we're getting off subject so, if you were to look at this movie and give it a rating, um, how would you rate it 
out of 10? Um, you know, I am going to, I'm going to give it an eight. I, I thought it, yeah, I I think, uh, you know, given the fact that, you know, they might not have put as much into it as they could have, um, because they knew where they were going to make a boatload of cash anyway. I, I honestly think it's, it's kind of worth that boatload of cash. They put out a, a fun and magical experience, experience that I enjoyed. And one, I, I forgot to mention this when I was talking about the visual effects. The Ron Perlman goblin yeah. looked like Ron Perlman. Of course it did. I mean, it Because that, was... that sound has to come out of that guy's face. <laughs> there's, just, there's no two ways around it. I thought that was fantastic. And I love that the inner office memos at the, United, at the U.S. place in New, in New York were rats. I yeah. loved that. Of course. Uh, um, and the in death England, pool was pretty cool, too. In England, they're little paper airplanes. Of course. And uh, and the Nifflers. I love the Nifflers. I was so excited because we uh, we met a Niffler. You know, we met Nifflers in Goblet of Fire. So as soon as I saw it and saw that it was going after shiny stuff, I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's a Niffler. I was I like, so he's shaking excited. that thing and all the coins are coming out. Yeah. That was pretty good. I love it. Yeah, the the death pool that they're trying to kill what's your face in was pretty good too. Yeah, that was awesome. Although, quite frankly, I was a little confused about why the crazy mother and the kid were in the death pool. Like Um, those were memories. I, I didn't I didn't ca- I didn't get what they were trying to give us, which was right. you know, afterwards after thinking about it, I realized that, you know, they did that so that we would ask the question that Eddie Redmayne asked, which is, why are these people in her past? But for some reason when I was watching it, I was like, what's like the pool was malfunctioning and showing stuff that you know that it shouldn't have so that that threw me off a little bit i'm like i don't understand why these people are in this pool it's supposed to be her you know her life why is why is this not here right but that might have just been me yeah um it does raise (laughs) some questions but then when you know obviously when Eddie Redmayne was like what what was with that I was like oh that's something that happened to her she had an encounter with these people well she it does show that um it did also show the future a little bit cuz it showed him you know obviously using his magic to get the belt away from her so right. does can she see the future or is it the power of the kid is this power that powerful that their connection caused that to happen? You know, that does. Oh, wow. It does raise some questions. Because it, it did show is... earlier in the movie they had a connection. Yeah. She's like basically the only one who took pity on them. Maybe at that moment, maybe it's not the future. Maybe it is a sideways glance, like live TV. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just showing her like a beacon, like, you're the only one who can help me. You're the only one who's ever helped me. Come help me. Yeah. It's a shame she couldn't end up helping him. Stupid president came along and yeah. ruined it. Government. Um, when she's jumping <laughs> out of the death pool, too, Eddie Redmayne uses the yo-yo bird. Yeah. I the, don't. I did not like that cool. effect. The bird huh? was cool, but I didn't like the effect. It was completely for 3D, and I didn't like that. Because hmm. I don't watch movies in 3D. <laughs> well, neither do I, but I mean, I was all right with it. Yeah. Gags for gags sake bother me. Oh, there's a spear coming at the Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was I thought it was a a thoughtful and interesting way to incorporate what we knew you know, what I mean, of course, if they're going to release a movie in three D, they're gonna put stuff like that in it. I suppose. You know, I thought I thought it was a it was a fun way to do it. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It actually, you know, it added something to to the experience. Perhaps that you know, bird is in the book, you know, and there's some something written on the page. I don't I haven't read the book, so. Maybe um where I came up with Thunderbird, I actually uh came across the swooping evil 
which is what that bird is. And it Uh. says it's a cross between a reptile and a butterfly that can be released from a small container. And while the Pokemon-like capability sounds kind of cool, it can also feed on people's brains, and its diluted venom venom can be used to erase bad memories. Well, isn't that insane? So it's it's the venom of that bird that the Thunderbird took up in the sky. Hmm. So yeah, so he swoops. You know, you have to throw him out of this container, and he what just swoops around. The swooping evil. Swooping evil. I'm opening the Fantastic Beast book, and they're in alphabetical order. So I'll find S and see if there's something funny written on the page. Just because that's how this is going to work. Because <laughs> there's lots of little funny notes written in here. Swooping. Yeah. Sphinx. Nope, no swooping evil. So. Mm. Well, huh. Weird. Yeah. Unless they wrote it, I mean, they may have wrote it specifically for the movie, specifically well, for that purpose. They needed a plot just device, for didn't the 3D they? reverse engineering. Yeah, exactly. So, so you give it a eight out of ten. I give gonna, it an eight out of ten. I'm gonna yeah. go I'll watch six it again. and a half. Hmm. Because I don't think it's as good as any one of the Harry Potter movies, and I don't really like the Sorcerer's Stone, the Philosopher's Stone, if you're from England. Or actually just the rest of the world. Um, but I, I did like it. I'll probably watch it again. I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. That's just how it's going to go. But um, yeah, I just I didn't like it that much. If if I could just rate Dan Fogler, it's a 10. So that's my rating. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm disappointed with your rating. <laughs> if... Perhaps if Eddie Redmayne was more of a uh, charismatic character in the movie instead of just being a dipstick, I might have got, been able to get more into it and may, bypass a lot of my uh, problems with maybe the production of the movie. But he, you know, not being able to understand him and just watching him just like mouse around and not really be a hero. He had his head cocked in a weird way. Yeah. And yet at the end, he was the hero. Sure. He saves the day. Right. It bummed me out. I and wanted Jacob to be the hero. He kind of is. Yeah, he is. You're right. You know. But he's not. <laughs> so, I mean, Eddie Redmayne captured Gellert Grindelwald. Yep. That's insanity. And did you catch the little uh, tidbit about him getting expelled from Hogwarts and Dumbledore being the only teacher who was against it. Of course, yeah. Yeah. This is the Dumbledore's uh, love for him is obviously similar in, to his love for Hagrid. So. Yeah. They they both love animals in the same way. Right. They just they they understand that just because something looks scary doesn't mean that they are. Right. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't understand them. That we shouldn't protect them and. And let them live in our world with us. And that's the only time where uh, Newt Scamander in the movie really becomes animated about much is when he's the fear of them taking his animals away and hurting them in some way. Uh, When that happens. He does get pretty passionate. He gets gets pretty upset. Which shows you that the romance between him him and the female witch were never going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. They're his loves. Yeah, he's going to be 50, alone on the couch with all his animals wearing a sweater, eating soup. That's just, that's how Newt Scamander is going to go out. Right. You think he's going to put a couch in each one of the little habitats down there? Perhaps. Just one big couch and snow snow land and his nice warm sweater and warm soup. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. All I do know is I I know he's in contract for all five movies, so we're going to see more Newt Scamander. Um... But at, at what rate? I don't know because they have teased that Dumbledore's going to be in the movie, so he's obviously going to be some sort of main character. Are we shifting back to England? Does Dumbledore come to America? These are all very good questions to ask, and I'm actually con- excited to see where this, where the Wizarding World takes us. I mean, I would expect uh, Dumbledore. I would expect the story to go back to England. Because that's I mean, where especially if they're going, going to. Well, event. Yeah, eventually that's where he ends up. And if if the plot 
if the running plot is going to culminate in the great duel, then you have to go back to England eventually. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, there's no, I've never seen any mention of Dumbledore spending any significant time in America, but then again, would you consider Newt Scamander's time in America significant? No. Seems like just a couple days. Week at the most, yeah. maybe. You know, then they forget to kiss everybody and go home. Yeah, but I mean, he is building a reputation for himself within the wizarding community. Oh, yeah, I'm sure his, his disarming uh, are... the bad guy. Is going to be huge for him, right? So at he this point, about uh, writing his manifesto. Gellert didn't have the Elder Wand, so there's going to be more story there as well. He had to have. The Elder Wand is the only reason he was able to gain power. Well, you saw the wand he was using. It wasn't the Elder Wand. Mm. Yeah, you're gonna to have to research your timeline, girl. No, seriously. Like he, after, after he left Dumbledore. He stole the Elder Wand from Grigorovich, the the wand maker, and uh, it's what helped him rise to power. Hmm. So this must be post-duel. After the duel, he was sent to Nurmengard, the prison that he built for his captors, or captives, and... uh, he actually ended up living out the rest of his life there until Dumbledore, not Dumbledore, Voldemort came to find out what happened to the Elder Wand. Uh-huh. Well, this is an odd timeline. Something that even you don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 trying to place it within the story, but it just doesn't just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm going to have to reread Deathly Hallows one of these days. There you go. Or, Miss you know, Maddie just opened a door for the first time. Well, awesome. <laughs> Baby gate them stairs. Oh, my goodness. So, that is our anyway. take on Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. They, they are utterly fantastic, and uh, the movie overall was fun. Um, I think everyone did a good job with their performances. Except for Eddie Redmayne. Except, well, you know, if that's what he was going for, he did a great job. <laughs> that's you're right if if that's what he was going for if i mean i guess the debate would be whether or not that's what he should have been going for well if, you know jk rowling is in charge of this whole thing so this must be what she wanted i guess then whenever she pictured newt scamander in her head it must have been a slightly autistic young man so <laughs> i mean it would i imagine it would have to be I mean, he did say that, you know, he didn't, that people didn't like him because he was annoying. You know, I have to imagine that either the reason he took to animals so well is because he never connected with humans. Maybe. That Jacob may, may in fact be the first person that he really connected with. Yeah. And it just happened to be a muggle nomadge. Yep. Well, awesome. So how... How is Dan Fogler and Queenie going to end up together? It's illegal to marry a muggle. Well, obviously, there's going to be some changes in the laws. Are they going to move to England? Hmm. Well, if they move to England, they'll be set. There you go. It makes just even more sense for their romance to work out. Oh, my goodness. What if they moved to England, got married, had a baby, and it ended up being like Molly Weasley or something? Huh. I suppose. That would be crazy. Or, you know, they have no magic kids, and it's Hermione's parents. <gasps> Skip the generation. No, no, because Hermione's parents had to be, like, the whole magic thing had to be, it had to be explained who's, to uh, them. Who's Emma Thompson's character? She is Sybil Trelawney. Maybe that's their kid. <gasps> Weird. Because Emma Thompson's the seer, right? Yeah, she is the seer. Yeah. So there you go. Fan theories abound. Uh, you know, let us know <laughs> what you think. Did you like this special episode? Was it fun? Uh, hit us up, facebook.com slash PO podcast, on Twitter at PO underscore ED podcast. And uh, tell us if you liked Fantastic Beasts. Is it Wizarding World enough for you? Am I totally off base here? Um, are the digital effects fine and I'm just a whiny baby? Or am I right? I need to spend a little bit more money next time on some actual sets. Who knows? Nah. But I'd like to uh, thank Angela for joining me and being the resident Harry Potter expert. 
helping me out. <laughs> well, thank you, Joe. Thanks Not for having me. I had a blast. I'm excited. Yeah, now you get to listen to yourself and go, that's what I sound like. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> that's what I do every week. <laughs> so for Angela, I'm Joe. And, uh, and for oh, Joe, ahead. I'm Angela. Oh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we will see you guys next week where me and Adam will be back together discussing the movie Hard Target. Can't wait to watch it and then listen to you guys talk about it. Don't say that too soon. You haven't seen it yet. You're going to regret saying those words. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be optimistic. All right. Well, yay, Harry Potter. Yay, Harry Potter. Not Michael Bay this time. Man. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.